Happy Mother's Day to all of you today. Um, my name is James. I'm one of our pastors. You might be wondering, why is James in a suit today? Well, our, actually, our, our story that we're going to get into in a minute talks about being in a courtroom. And so for visual communications reasons and for Mother's Day and just because, yeah, God's doing a work in me. And if you've been with me in this church for five years, they had a mop. I had rips in my jeans. And so by the grace of God, that's my message. Good night. Um, hey, you know what, while I'm up here though, and before we even get started, I, I just want to name some things and just say this, you know, um, I'm, I recognize that on Mother's Day for a lot of us, this can be a difficult weekend, a difficult day. Some of us have lost our mother. Uh, some of us, um, for, for certain reasons, are not able to have children of our own. Maybe you even haven't met your spouse yet, and you're waiting in this, this process and trying to honor God in this journey. And for some of us, you know, you, you're, you got older moms in the room and younger moms and new moms and uh, mothers that their kids have all grown up. You got mothers here today that their kids aren't at church with them today and, uh, and for some reason or, or another. And, and I just want to acknowledge that we love you. We're so glad you're here today, and we're going to do our part to love you well and celebrate you today. So can we give it up for all the moms in this place? And depending on where you're from, you might say mums, right? But, um, and also, yeah, thank you. And also, uh, Pastor Stewart and I, we're the men in black today. So uh, as long as I'm Will Smith, okay? All right, thank you. Um, well, for, for today, we're gonna be in, in God's, we're gonna be in Luke uh, chapter 18, and uh, while you're getting uh, to turn there, um, I want to just announce something for all of you guys as well, too. Um, so speaking of Mother's Day, I have a picture I wanted to share with you. It hit social media yesterday, but, um, but Brooke and I are pregnant again. And um, you guys have no idea how hard it is to take a picture. <laughs> 10 minutes before you got to leave for church when you have a little one. But um, we are having a, we're having a baby girl. And so now we got the, yeah, I'm really excited, be excited to, to, you know, to see what, what she does with my heart and all those kind of things. And so uh, all, all the women are nodding and laughing and saying, yeah, all right. Well, um, yeah, so with that being said, let, let's pray before we even get into God's word. Uh, Holy Spirit, we just ask that you would um, examine our hearts. God, that you would, um, Lord, do what you need to do this morning. We give you permission, God, to rearrange the furniture in our hearts. Lord, for some of us, we have calloused hearts this morning for other reasons. And uh, God, I just pray that you just be a good father. Come through, love on us. Lord, be with us. God, we pray that, uh, that your word that is the infallible, inerrant word of God that is truth, Lord, we pray that it would, um, it would break down false truth in our lives, that it would uh, expose quick uh, sinking sand in our life, and that today on Mother's Day, God, may we, may we just fall more in love with you today, more in love with you today. And God, uh, we, uh, we also, while we're praying, we pray for the youth that are coming home from camp. God, I pray that, um, that prayers of mothers, of kids that are coming back from camp, may your prayers be answered. I pray that at camp, uh, Lord, there would be, um, there would be a, a, a swift transition, God, from um, those that have kind of fallen off the path. And Lord, we call them right back into alignment, God. The kingdom of God is here and now, Lord. We don't, we don't marvel over what happens in buildings, but in people's hearts. And so, God, we ask, Lord, that the kingdom of God would just come alive in the boys and girls coming down from the mountain. And I pray, Lord, that they make it into this service before it ends so we can turn up because they've been with Jesus. And, uh, God, so we, we do. We pray that, um, that the seeds that have been planted just like Paul planted and Apollos watered, but God, you bring the increase. And so, Lord, I pray that this week, may we not remember them the way that they were before they left for camp, but may we see the seeds planted and may we be the mothers and fathers and brothers and uncles and tios and everything in between to, to water those seeds because, God, you bring the increase. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Well, I'm excited. I hope they make it to service, guys. Because I know that when you get back from camp, there's just nothing else like it. You'll see. You, you just tell them, take out the trash. You only got to say it once. 
You got one weekend, guys, to do this, okay? So take advantage of it. Fathers, you need your cars washed, okay? Do you just tell them, go wash the truck, and they're gonna do it. I'm just telling you, okay? Take advantage of it. Uh, Luke chapter 18, if you're there, say, I'm there. Awesome. Luke chapter 18, uh, starting in verse 1. Uh, it, it, it's titled, I'm reading from the NLT translation, it's titled, The Parable of the Persistent Widow. One day Jesus told his disciples a story to show them that they should always pray and never give up. There was a judge in a certain city, he said, who neither feared God nor cared about people. A widow of that city came to him repeatedly saying, give me justice in this dispute with my enemy. The judge ignored her for a while, but finally he said to himself, I don't fear God or care about people, but this woman is driving me crazy. I'm going to see that she gets justice because she is wearing me out with her constant requests. Then the Lord said, learn a lesson from this unjust judge. Even he rendered a just decision in the end. So don't you think that God will surely give justice to his chosen people who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep, keep putting them off? I tell you, he will grant justice to them quickly. But when the Son of Man returns, how many will he find on the earth who have faith? That's our passage for today, and we're going to work the text. We're going we're gonna to do what we can with it. But I want you to, to know something. There, there is just no way that I'm going to be able to get through all of it today. Um, and so I want to commission you to do something. I want to commission you to go on your own time with your families and take the opportunity to read the section before chapter 18 and the section right after because Luke is, is he's tying this bigger arching theme about what we saw in verse 1, which is to never give up and always pray. And, and if we just look at the widow's uh, story of the parable of that, we're going to miss so much of the richness and vastness of God's word. And I really want you to do that. And so, be, But just to paraphrase, in case you're not going to take my word for it, chapter 17, it, towards the end of it, it's talking about the rapture. And it's talking about the kingdom of God is here among us now. And it's talking about getting ready and preparing yourself, never giving up in your faith. Then you see the parable of the widow, and in the verse 1, it tells you never give up and always pray. Verse 8 at the end, it said, and when God returns, will he find people with faith? See, he's tying a theme between the paragraph before. Sometimes we're wondering, how do I understand the Bible? Read it, read, zoom out a little bit and read it slowly and see the parallels and, and the threads that go through it. And then afterwards, you read about this, the tax collector and a Pharisee, and they both come to the temple to pray. And, and the tax collector is full of pride. I'm sorry, the Pharisee is full of pride and the tax collector comes humbly into, the, into God's house and God forgives the sins of the humble person who never gave up and kept coming. So there's a theme that we see, but we're gonna focus in on eight verses today. And uh, I'm really excited to, to give this message to you today. Somebody say, never give up, always pray. Thank you very much. So we're, let's look at verse one one more time, and we're gonna go verse by verse through this. Luke chapter 18, verse one says this. One day, Jesus told his disciples a story to show that they should always pray and never give up. I want you to just see something with me in this verse. We can keep it on the screens. There is a contrast of the word never and the word always in the same sentence. Jesus, when he's teaching them something, he's not using hyperboles, he's not exaggerating, he's not stretching the truth. He really does mean that we should never give up, and he really does mean that we should always pray. Now, if you've ever been, you know, one of those people like myself, where, where we look at verses like the Apostle Paul says, pray without ceasing, you're like, like, does, that, does he literally mean that I should always be praying, like, all the time? And uh, Tyndall, the, the, the person who wrote the commentary for the New Living Translation, he said it really good. Um, he said it this way. He said about prayer, persistent prayer. He said, to, persistent, to be persistent in prayer and not give up does not mean to subject oneself to endless repetition or painfully long prayer sessions. Being constantly in prayer means keeping our request continually before God as we live for him day by day, believing he will answer. So, so to, to always 
be ready to pray, to never give up. It's more about the, uh, the moments at the table where it seems like an inconvenience and someone brings something up and you put your fork down and you say, let's pray about it. You have a, a, a spirit that's always ready to pray. You always are putting even your own requests before God, never giving up. And, you know, it's, for some of us, step one is just starting to pray. And let's recognize that. Not all of us pray. Another step, maybe for somebody else who's been walking with Jesus for a little bit, it's, it's learning to continue to pray, right? Because it's one thing to say a, prow, a powerful prayer one time. It's another thing to keep contending in, with powerful prayers for that miracle that you haven't seen come. And, um, and in my own life, in my own family, you know, in, in just this last year, I mean, there's been all kinds of things we've been praying for as a family. Um, in my own life, there's people in this church that I've been contending for prayer, in prayer for certain things. And, and, you know, it would be easier on a morning like this to talk about never giving up in prayer by just preaching Luke 11, which talks about a neighbor who has friends visiting at midnight and he says he has no food. And, you know, it'd be easier to talk about something like that, but to talk about a story where something is out of your control. And I'm, I'm okay with getting in the tension with you this morning. I'm okay with going to that place that we got Kleenexes up here if we need it, mothers. But, but I'm okay with going into that place this morning because it's really in the tension. If we avoid tension, if we avoid challenge, are we really testing our faith? Or are we really growing? Are we really learning to trust God? Um, we can look from Genesis 1 to Revelations 22, the entire Bible, and we can see that the word prayer is mentioned at least 313 times. So in 66 books, prayer is mentioned 313 times. Prayer must matter. Prayer is important. And I'm not even mentioning, I did some research, not even mentioning when prayer is, is, is using the word like ask or seek. I'm just saying the word prayer is mentioned 313 times. How important is it that we are the body of Christ that prays? Not just for our own things, but for bearing one another's burdens. And... We could see in, in Exodus, and I, I want to go here before I get into the story. In Exodus, examine this with me for a moment. I'm going to take you in a vehicle to look at something for a second. But imagine in Exodus that you are in captivity. You are in bondage and chains to Pharaoh. It's hot. It's, there's people being whipped. There's bodies being buried underneath the dirt and not proper uh, uh, burial ceremonies for the Israelites. There's, there's just bad things happening. There are people that are in charge that are building their own uh, kingdoms that are filled with pride. You have the open wounds and lacerations of being whipped for something that you didn't deserve. And you got family members that remember these are Jewish people, they're believing that this is probably the end times. And they're believing that their Messiah is probably going to come and rescue them from slavery. But what happens when the thing you're praying for outlives you? And the thing you're believing for outlives your mother's, 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 mother. See, we're, we're talking about slavery. We're talking about the fact that you didn't live a full life. The, the living conditions were harsh. And it, the Bible actually talks about in Exodus, and I'm going to pull up the verse for you on the screen and in your Bibles if you have it, but Exodus 2, 23 through 25, it says this, years passed and the king of Egypt died, but the Israelites continued to groan under their burden of slavery. They cried out for help and their cry rose to God. God heard their groaning. And he remembered his covenant promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He looked down on the people of Israel and knew it was time to act. He knew it was time to act. If I was to keep reading, chapter 3 of Exodus starts with this. One day, Moses was in the fields and there was a burning bush. But zoom out with me for a moment and look at this. 
You got the Israelites who are in slavery for 400 years waiting for God to come through. And they're praying and they're believing. And what happens when your mom who's been praying for something doesn't see it happen in her life? And their children have to grow up believing the same thing and the miracle doesn't happen in their life. And what happens when you're praying and you're saying, God, where's justice? God, where's my miracle? Where's this breakthrough? Where, where is this? When are you going to come through? I've been praying. I've been faithful. I've been doing these things. Why aren't you coming? And at the same time, while the people in Israel are here praying, God is over here working on a man named Moses. God is working on a man named Moses right over here on this side, and he stumbles across a burning bush, a runaway from Egypt. See, before the problem even started, God already was on the move. God was already working something together for, it's a revelation. Ten families caught it in this house today. There's a revelation in this. You've been praying for your sons and your daughters, these prodigals that are wrestling and they're getting into drugs and they're in a destructive relationship and things are going on. You're saying, God, I've been praying. God, I've been believing. God, I've been tithing. God, I've been doing all these things. Where are you? And at the same time, God's got a Moses getting raised up. At the same time, God is going... I could have told you that a Moses was coming, but because I was silent, I'm testing something in you. I'm growing something in you. I'm putting you in the fire right now. And, and I know that, look, I know it'd be easier for me to just tell you that Moses is coming. But right now, I, 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 I got something that I'm doing on the outside that you can't even see. So our passage of scripture says to never give up and always pray. But what happens when what you're praying for, you're not seeing? See, this story, it challenges us. It, 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 we're in the tension of it because some of us, we got real needs. We got, there's life and death on the line for some of us. There's some disputes and some things that you're going through right now, and I don't want to minimize those things. I just want to take us to something in Scripture that we would have the disposition, we would have the shameless audacity to keep coming to God with our requests, that we would not think that we're burdening God by bringing our, our requests to him, and that we would not lose faith and lose heart. Not lose heart. God's character doesn't change. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if he did it in the time of the Israelites in Egypt, he's doing something. But let's look at the story. So Luke chapter 18, verse 1 uh, through 6. We're going to read those verses together right now. <clears throat> and it says this, Luke chapter 18, verses 1 through 6. It says this, one day Jesus told his disciples a story to show that they should always pray and never give up. There was a judge. Everybody say judge. There was a judge in a certain city, he said, who neither feared God nor cared about people. There was a widow. Everybody say a widow. These are our people in the story. Of the city that came to him repeatedly saying, give me justice in this dispute with my enemy. The judge ignored her for a while, but finally he said to himself, I don't fear God or care about people. But this woman is driving me crazy. I'm going to see that she gets justice because she is wearing me out with her constant requests. I want to stop here for a second to just explain something. We believe that the Bible is the infallible word of truth. It, it, it does not change. It is not open for reinterpretation. The Bible is both fully divine and fully natural. It has one true author in, that points over 1,500 years through Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek, and it is written in man's hand. We also believe that if the Bible was just natural and it was not actually inspired by the word of God, then man is capable of evil things, and so the entire Bible would be open to reinterpretation. But because the Bible was written by people that lived in a certain time period, we can't throw context out of the, out of the water. We have to look at what is the context of this story. And from that place, that place is where the power comes alive through the scriptures. And so when we got this story that is a parable, whether this is a real person or not, Jesus is explaining something that matters in that time period that's a little bit different than today. 
What Jesus is saying to them is there is a judge. There's a judge, an unjust judge. And in Jewish culture in that time period, judges were appointed by Rome. So you got Jewish people and you have Rome, and they have some dispositions and some stigmas against some Rome people. And so you have this judge who's not from around here, who doesn't care about people and doesn't care about God. And then you have a widow. Now imagine the disciples are, are, you know, breaking bread with Jesus at nighttime, and they're saying, Jesus, teach us how to pray. And he says, okay, if I'm going to teach you about pray, you should never give up, and you should always pray. Let me tell you a story about an unjust judge. Immediately, they think Rome. Secondly, he says, and there's a widow. Now, a widow in that time period is very, very, very different than today. Because a widow in that time period, if you were an orphan, what would happen is you would still inherit your father's inheritance, right? We see that with the prodigal son, right? When the, he says, I want my inheritance now, you know, and he goes and he squanders it. So if you're an orphan and you lose your father, you still inherit everything. You're good. But if you are a widow in the Jewish culture of that time period and your husband died, you did not inherit everything that he owned. You were told by judges to maintain it until you remarried and then you lost it. So what I'm really trying to get us to is this. We're not just talking about somebody who lost someone. We're talking about somebody who's about to lose everything. We're talking about somebody who's going through something where, have you ever felt like your situation was outside of your control, church? Have you ever gotten on your knees and prayed for something and you knew that if I kept holding on to the grip in my control, I'm never going to win this battle? But there's something when you have to put your trust in someone else. This is what we're talking about here. We're talking about a, a, a woman who thought she hit rock bottom when she lost her husband and then found herself in an even darker place. I'm about to lose everything. My home. The place where I... I had a family here. I, I, me and my husband, we would break bread here. I'm about to lose those things. And she, she has to put her trust in an unjust judge. I would say that the odds are not in her favor. Would you agree, church? And yet, so she comes to the judge. And this is, we got to look at the story within the story. We got to make the story come alive, okay? Because this, this applies to us today, okay? This, un, this, this unjust judge is in his home. And imagine just there's a, there's a widow who comes and knocks on the door. Excuse me, Your Honor. And she's, in, she's looking nice, you know, because everything communicates in the story, right? And she's looking nice and she's saying, Your Honor, my husband passed away and I'm about to lose everything. I have nowhere else to go. Will you please settle this dispute with my enemy so that I can have a roof over my head, so that I can have a place to live? And he closes the door in her face. But instead of turning away and taking matters into her own hands and doing something like putting a hit out on the judge, (laughs) she comes back again. And this time she comes back and she waits by his chariot. And he comes outside the door and he's forgotten long about her and it's been hours and she's standing out there in the sun by herself, barely has enough money to probably put food on the table, just trying to maintain things. And she's standing there and she says, your honor, I know you, I know you were probably busy before, but could you please just, it will only just take a couple minutes, just one signature, that's all I need. Could you just settle this dispute with me and, and, and my adversary, this enemy? He's trying to take everything from me. And, and you don't understand, if I lose this, I, I, I'm probably not even going to be able to make it through the, the year. And he just gets in his chariot. And he says, well, you, you know what the Jewish law says. Just remarry It's not that easy, right, ladies, single ladies in the house? It's not that easy. Just get married, right? But she keeps coming back. She is relentless. She has no shame and keep coming forward. And you know what the revelation in this is? The revelation is this. Some of us, we view God as the unjust judge. God doesn't have time for me. Well, I, I just, I'm in too deep. And you put condemnation on yourself. I'm here because I did this. And this is my fault. 
Or maybe you've, you've spun it around and you don't think it's about you. And maybe you think it's about the way you see God. And you say, yeah, you know, if we're going to talk about prayer, yeah, I could see a lot between God and this unjust judge. What a parallel. And you could say, you know what? I could see God being like that. Can I tell you the revelation? God is the opposite of the unjust judge. In learning who the unjust judge is, we learn and we see who God is. You have the unjust judge who doesn't care about people, but we serve a God who died on a cross for whosoever. We have a judge who says, get out of my courtroom, but we serve a God who says, you can come as you are boldly into my throne room anytime you want. I've, I tore the veil from top to bottom. There's nothing separating you from me. We can have me time, you time, anytime. We have an unjust judge who doesn't make time for people. He doesn't even listen to the request of this woman, but we serve a God. Then in Romans chapter eight says that when we don't even know how to pray for the thing that we are up against, the Holy Spirit intercedes on our behalf. The Holy Spirit starts praying with you, pleading for the Father to move. So the, God is really nothing like this unjust judge. And yet some of us have come in here today and we just think that I'm the unloved person, that, that God is somehow against me. No, God is for you. God makes the sun to rise on both the wicked and the righteous. God's way of seeing things is not our way. His thoughts are not like ours. His ways are not like our ways. And yet there are some of us today where we are just contending. We are, we are tired and if you were here at Seek Night this past week when Pastor John preached a message on weak knees and tired hands, if you didn't hear it, you got to go back and listen to it. But God's doing something. I want to just share with you, um, we had some testimonies that we wanted to, to play for you today. I was inspired through um, Pastor Rick Warren is another pastor at Saddleback, and he, he does these Mother's Day messages where he includes uh, testimonies from his church. And I just thought, hey, you know what? Don't take my word for it. Let's listen to a couple of testimonies from people in our congregation and let them tell you the story, all right? So check out this one. Hi, guys. My name is Nick Nunez. And I'm Lily Nunez. <laughs> yeah, and we're pregnant with twins. Okay. <laughs> I guess our journey in a nutshell um, is that we struggled with infertility for almost four years. So those four years is a lot of doctor visits, a lot of unanswered questions, and um, honestly, the hardest trial I've ever gone through. And so um, being here today and, I don't know, being able to celebrate Mother's Day, and I don't know, just every time I look at this little bump, I just get so, I just can't believe it's, it's, it's over, and we're just, it's so exciting, yeah. Um, so, um, but our journey was tough, and I know some women struggle more, and so, I definitely, my heart goes out to women during this time, Mother's Day, for sure. I guess if you're waiting and desperately wanting something for four years long, like it's gonna, yeah. it's gonna be hard no matter what, no matter what you're waiting for, but I desperately wanted to be a mom. And so um, uh, four years of that, of really wanting that, was, you know, tried everything, like my faith, my happiness, our relationship, um, mm -hmm. our finances, um, other relationships that we've had. It, it, yeah. it was, it, it's hard to convey and Obviously, people that have gone through infertility know yeah. that quiet suffocation. I guess mm -hmm. you could say it's just—it's just hard. You're, you're being squeezed. Yeah. But the—the the cool thing in our journey is that you know we we kind of hit a rock bottom, yeah. um, and then we're like, you know what? We we got to lose control. And the, the thing that spoke to us the most was Deuteronomy eight. Well, I, I, for me, yeah. was Deuteronomy eight. Yeah. Where, where Jesus uh, talks about like how he's going to squeeze you and, and test you mm -hmm. uh, to see what's in your heart and to see whether you're going to keep his commandments or not. And so from there, for me, I was like, okay, we're being squeezed. How are we responding? Are we, are we trusting? Are we, um, are we spending time with Jesus? Are we trying to find our joy and, and, and strength in yeah. him? 
And so yeah. um, keeping the faith and kind of like stirring ourselves and our spirits that way. And then like, um, yeah, activating faith a little bit more mm -hmm. was super important. So Deuteronomy 8, yeah. that was big for me. The biggest thing that I definitely learned during this trial was uh, growing my faith, really faith for sure. Um, and I think the thing specifically about faith that I learned is that it's a daily choice. It's a daily decision to choose to believe that God is good. You have to be willing to let go of control mm -hmm. and, and trust that God, God's got you. Like yeah. Proverbs 3, 6, if we can acknowledge Jesus, if we can acknowledge him, he will direct our paths. Yeah, happy Mother's Day, you guys. And um, specifically for those that are struggling like we did, we just, mm -hmm. we want to give you hope and not, not to not give up um, and to really um, battle with your faith and hold on to it. So fight um, the good yeah. fight. Jesus yeah. is good. Happy Mother's Day. You know, I, I am reminded though of Nick and Lillian that um, you know they stayed so faithful over the four years when they, as they were contending for being able to be pregnant and start a family and. You know, you may not have ever even realized it, but, you know, you'd have Nicholas be on the keyboard back there, a smile on his face, suffocating in silence of a miracle that he's waiting for. You'd, you'd have Lillian that would be ministering to, to teenage women wanting a daughter of her own. And, you know, in a moment like this service, we could certainly talk about always praying and never giving up, but it, it, it is almost negligence to not acknowledge there are harder passages of Scripture that we have to step into boldly to talk about because there are, I mean, even in my own journey, sure, I, I, I've seen God heal my wife of lupus and autoimmune disease that we were contending for three, two years for God to do, she would carry a, a bag of medicine around with her and she'd pop those in. There'd be good days and bad days. Days she'd be in bed and days that she'd get out and walk. And there were people that told me God doesn't heal today and I challenged that and I walked away and, and there, were, there was just a season. But you know what, I, looking back as I can sort of see that as a chapter in my journey with my walk with Jesus, I don't regret that season. I don't look down on that season because what it did for me is it provoked me to, to, there was an undercurrent, like your feet in the water, something pulling you, the grace of God pulling you into the word, pulling you into prayer meetings, pulling you in your car to put worship music back on. There's, some, there's an undercurrent that is pulling you by the grace of God. You can't see it, but you feel it, and it's provoking you, and it was the testing of being in the fire. That season, I would not be the preacher and the pastor and the father that I am today had it not been for that wandering season. And I had friends that were like Job's friends that said, it's because of this and that. Shake it off. Keep believing. Keep contending. Keep putting your requests before God. Never lose the spirit of somebody who's saying, I'm willing to go to prayer right now. You, you wanna pray for, for it. If you say something to someone else and they say, let me pray for you, you better accept that prayer. Even if it is an inconvenience, even if you're so tired of people praying for you and so tired of people wanting to be the rescuer of your situation, where two or more are gathered, there he is in the midst. There's power, wonder-working power. The prayers of a righteous person are powerful and effective. Never give up praying. Always have a thankful heart. Never put off God. What if you were one prayer away from God releasing a breakthrough in your family, restoring a marriage, healing a spouse, doing something that you didn't think was possible? And I, and I just, I know what it feels like when we have, we've prayed. I mean, I've prayed for people I've seen, I've seen somebody that I used to pray for up here. His name was Danny, and he died of cancer. And I prayed for healing over him. And we saw results get better and then decline in our small group. And, you know, he's not here with us anymore. 
You know, I was up in Idaho this last year because I went up to be with two friends who had a miscarriage. I flew up there with my wife to be with them because I, I know that there are moments that we just, we can't explain. There is no explanation that a pastor and anybody's gonna be able to give you today. Some of you are going to have a different lot. There's going to be a different set of cards. Something's going to happen that's gonna be harder for some of us. But on the flip side of that is, you know what? I would say to you, if you are going through a hard season right now and you're facing something that is outside of your control, you are a greater testimony of the goodness of God if you stay faithful than anything I say up here with a microphone. I can say God is good, but I wanna hear it from somebody else who's in the fire. It's easy to look around and, 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 and you're, you're just, you're going through it. Don't give up. Remember, we gotta look at the passage of scripture and zoom out. There's a rapture coming. There's a time coming. God is coming back. Don't lose your faith. Don't get caught up in what self-help books and philosophy and man's empty ways of thinking. It is quick sinking sand. There is no other foundation than the word of God. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He is not a way. He is not an option of truth, a concept of truth. He is truth, and he is the life. He is the only life. There is resurrection through Jesus Christ. There is healing available through Jesus Christ. There is breakthrough available through Jesus Christ. And it is hard to be the person up here to say that when I know what some of you are going through. It is hard, but if I don't say it, who will? We have to believe that God's character does not change. He is a loving father. He does have a kingdom that there is no sickness. He does have a kingdom that there is no sin, no darkness. And if you read the passage before, Jesus says to the Pharisees, the kingdom of God is here and now. But he says, you won't see it like lightning. You won't be able to point it out, but it's already here. We have a kingdom that is unshakable. We serve a God who's still seated on a throne. And even though it is here and now, we still with veiled eyes cannot see the fullness of that kingdom. But if we don't have the faith in this season, we're not going to see the kingdom in the next. Don't lose heart. Keep fighting the good fight of faith. Got to release control. You have to release control. You have to put your faith in Jesus. I, I believe that we, God has given us wisdom. God has given us uh, doctors and lawyers and police officers and, and counsel and all those things are great. And yes, please take advantage of those things, but please also do not throw out prayer. Please also do not throw out that God could come through the same way he did for the Israelites. God could come through for you. I wanna share with you another story and this one, it's really close to home. This one's about my parents and their journey with me as a prodigal son. And um, I wish I could give you the unfiltered 30 versions of 30 minute version of this, but you're gonna get the three minute because you have lunch reservations. You're like, thank you, pastor. <laughs> and um, before I share that though, I felt like this weekend might've been the biggest stakes weekend for me being up here of all the messages I've given over the years because there are sons and daughters that came with mothers today. You are far from God. And you know it, and you know the truth, but you're rejecting the truth. And there are years, five exactly, that I would go to church with my mom on Mother's Day. I was hollow. I had shipwrecked my faith. I had no conscience. 
I, I was dead inside, angry, distant, far. And as I stared this way and I look at the stadium seats in the back, where some of you are sitting right now, if I was to rip the carpet up, your name is written on a Sharpie. I've come in this room and I've, I've seen mothers on their knees praying that she would be here today. And so I, I came to do business with God because souls are on the line. Life and death, I lay before you. And I, I have a story that I want to share with you from my journey with my parents. And so uh, fix your eyes on the screen. Hi, my name is Shar Franz. And I'm Rob Franz. And we're the parents of... James Franz. Yes. Um, James was an easy baby. He was happy, uh, loved the Lord. Even at a year and a half, he would be raising his hands, worshiping at church. And he loved to play his guitar and uh, pretend like he was leading worship. And James was just the easiest of all, all of our kids, I thought. And till James hit about... 15 and then rebellion set in and just a like he was a blank shell when you would talk to him it was like the enemy stole him but i knew he belonged to the lord and i began to pray and intercede and i didn't care where i was i was praying at the market in the spirit i was praying in my car wherever i was i was praying for this kid for him to come back to the Lord because I knew he belonged to Jesus. He wasn't even ours. We were just got to borrow him. And the Lord told me in my yard, he said, when you pray, you're praying out of fear. He said, I love him more than you do. And I said, oh no, Lord, nobody can love him more than his mother. He says, but when you pray, you pray out of fear. I said, Lord, you're right. So when I let go of James, and my grip, so to speak, God began to rewrite the script that I had for him. And it was, it was the Lord's script. He had a plan. So I got out of the way and my prayers began to change and they were still day and night, but it was, Lord, I put him in your hands. Lord, he belongs to you. So James um, at 21 began to just follow the call of the Lord. And God began to set him up and things that I could have never even made happen. You knew it was the Lord. And we began to see um, a love in him from all the years that we planted in him from, from a young age. And I just want to say to the moms out there that there are grandmas, there is a season that's coming. You're getting to step into the, a new season or a season's coming that miracles are gonna happen. And I wanna read something from Catherine Kuhlman that really meant a lot to me when I was going through my hard time and reading the Psalms and Proverbs that helped me get through this. She said, I'm not a woman with great faith. I'm a woman with faith in a great God. Happy Mother's Day. As we get ready to close <clears throat> this service, I, I hope that, the, that this is all the evidence that you needed. God's faithful. His faithful love endures forever. The battle that you're fighting that you have not seen victory in does not mean the battle is over. When Goliath did end up standing before King Saul and nobody would fight Goliath, God was already preparing a David to come. He was already preparing him in the field, preparing him with the lions and with the bears. God has already prepared you for the fight that you have to face.
You know, that the book of Exodus, I referenced it before, but during that, this service particularly, I want to share something that is tailored to the, the room, the people in this room. Every service was different a little bit because there, there are souls here that God is after. Exodus 20, I don't have it on the screens. Exodus 20, verse 5. You must not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God who will not tolerate your affections for other gods. I lay the sins of the parents upon their children, and the entire family is affected, even the children in the third and fourth generation of those who reject me. But I lavish unfailing love for a thousand generations of those who will love me and obey my commandments. He's not an unjust God. He says the sins, the battles that we don't face today, the bondage to pornography, the drunkenness, the adultery, the greed, the things, the idols that we place before him, if we don't tear them down, those battles get passed down to our children's 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 children. But he says, if there are people who love me and will be faithful to my commandments, I will bless them for a thousand generations. You're right, the battle isn't yours. It's your children's. You're right, the battle doesn't belong to you. It belongs to Yahweh. It belongs to Jehovah Jireh. It belongs to him who is worthy and has done more and can put death hell in the grave and can nail the sins of our iniquities to the cross. It is, it is the blood of Jesus Christ and his blood alone that can, it, his blood, when it touches chains that drag from your father's, 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 father. And the next generation said, I couldn't beat it. And they take the chain off and they put it on the next son. His blood, when it came down from that cross and it even touched that chain, it broke, it shattered, it was obliterated. Don't stop fighting for what you believe in. Don't stop praying. You be the generation that cuts off the head of Jezebel. You be the generation that puts greed in its place. We want to see healing in our nation. It starts in this house. Jesus flipped over the tables and he said, my house will be a house of prayer. My house will be a house of prayer. It is his church. We are the body of Christ. It starts with us. There are some people here today, you are silent because you know you can't have victory without the blood of Jesus. There's a battle you've been facing and it's like every day going before Goliath and for 40 days you keep coming back. For 40 years you keep coming back to face the same giant and you haven't stepped into the ring yet. The Bible is the word of truth. It is sharper than any double-edged sword. Any giant that stands in your face, you take the word and you walk up to that giant and you cut its head off. You walk into that whatever your family dynamic is. Start praying. Start believing. Don't shipwreck your faith like Hemanias and Alexander. Come back to the place of believing. You gotta, I wanna see the knee prints in your carpet by the side of your bed because you've been there every day for 10 years. You wanna see the evidence? Wait till you see our kids when they came back from youth camp. Listen, I, I, I'm not going to hold the service longer, but I, I do know that there is business to be done with God today. 
And so carry this, carry this with you to the dinner table, to conversations. Go back and read the chapter before and the chapter after. But I will not end this service without giving an altar call. So with every head bowed and every eye closed in this place, if you need to confess your faith in Jesus Christ, repent of your sins, turn away from them, and surrender your soul over to Jesus, now is that moment. You can't bank your salvation on your parents' faith or your mother's faith. It's your decision, and the beauty of that is that God decrees it in his word. It is your moment right now. If you want to give your life to Jesus ever so boldly, just shoot your hand in the air and let me see that hand. As a pastor, I want to know who I'm praying for, who I'm praying with. We're not just going to do a salvation prayer. We're going to pray some chains off. We're going to pray some things off. We're going to, we're going to release something right now. But I saw one hand over here. I'm looking in the back. I'm looking for some prodigals. Anyone? Thank you. Thank you. I see a hand right here as well. Thank you. I say thank you because I get to meet you in eternity by the grace of God. But let's, let's, let's pray together right now. Talk to Jesus. Say something like this. This is you maybe taking that first step of learning to pray. Maybe it's your thousand step. Maybe it's a rededication. But you know you, you got to do it right now. So this is your moment. Say something like this. Jesus, I confess my need for you. I relinquish and surrender control. I put you on the throne. You are the son of the living God. I ask for your forgiveness for my sins and may you wash me clean by the blood of Jesus. From this day forward, I am born again, forgiven and set free. From this day forward, I unbreak the shackles around my ankles. And from this day forward, I declare, he who has done exceedingly and abundantly will do more than I could ever ask or imagine in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And the church said, amen. Stand on your feet.